Hi, welcome to In the Podshaw, where I, Sam Reinstein, have conversations with different educators about the weekly Torah portion. For this week's Parsha, Parsha Akev, I have Hannah Dreyfus. Hey, Hannah. Hi, guys. So, Hannah, full disclosure, this was the easiest podcast to be in person with because Hannah is my wife. Um, I am her husband. Um, and I wanted to have you on one time. So, thanks for or coming more. Or, or more. Or more. Yeah. At least one time. I'm an unconventional educator. Right. So, that's actually, yeah. So, I wanted to, because... I teach you guys all more than anyone else, probably, so (laughs) you're welcome. Because um, Hannah, for those that don't, do you want to introduce yourself for a minute? Sure. I shouldn't make assumptions. Yeah. Um, Hi, I am a Rebbitzin. I do Rebbitzin things, like make matzo balls and challah. Also, I'm an investigative journalist. And for the New York Jewish Week where I investigate abuses of power. Um, but that's just a side gig. Mainly it's um, the challah making. <laughs> she does make challah. Um, but uh, yeah, so on some level, like journalists are not obviously traditional educators because everyone else I've had on has been an educator on some level. Um, but I think journalists kind of are an educator, kind of like, but on a broader scheme. We educate the public. Right. And, and, but on some level, like, like, like the Torah educators that come on uh, are trying to give over values in addition to knowledge, right? And I think on some level, journalists, like, try not to do that, but I think definitionally you do that a little bit. No? Give over knowledge? Or, well, you give over knowledge, but you kind of give we are over story, values. We are storytellers. Right, right. We are storytellers, and so are historians and um, perhaps educators. I can describe myself as an educator the next time someone asks me what I do. I think that (laughs) that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say I am a storytelling educator. (laughs) There you go. Um, So in the general format that we normally do this at, um, so I'm just going to do a quick um, summary of the Parsha. Um, 30 seconds or the podsha that's true Um, and then and then I want to talk to Hannah a little bit uh, about why I wanted to have her on on Parshat Akev specifically even though maybe it'll be other times as well Um, and then uh, and then we'll switch over again um, to to some Torah that I have as well Um, so this week's Parsha continues the closing address to Bnei Israel that Moshe has. He rebukes them for the missteps of the parents' generation, including the worship of the golden calf, the rebellion of Korach, the sin of the spies, and a bunch of others. He also speaks of God's forgiveness of their sins. And as an example of this, the second set of the tablets that were given after the sin of the golden calf. Moshe relates how they were sustained by manna from heaven uh, for 40 years, demonstrating through it that through God... Um, people are able to survive. Did anyone ever think that manna is actually tofu? Because I did. <laughs> Thanks. That's how you know you live in Brooklyn. Um, we learn of the land that they are about to enter is flowing with milk and honey and have the seven species. God commands them to destroy the idols at the land of Canaan and to be cautious when they gain wealth in the land. The second paragraph of Shema is then inserted where reward and punishment in the land is explained. Okay. Sam, did you ever think of doing this parsha with the uh, with in in the language that Hebrew Bibles are translated in? 
Like, can we start with like, hear ye, hear ye, O Israel, in the Pacha. Um, right, lots of thous. It. And. Beeth. <laughs> and Hashem, your Lord. Okay, you guys yeah. get the point. I'm going to talk in regular English. Okay. Or, or I guess more modern English. Hear, O Israel. <laughs> I may speak that way. It makes me feel like I'm doing something important. <laughs> um, okay, so the reason I wanted you specifically this week. You want um, me every week. Well, yeah, that's true. But specifically this week to come on um, to the podcast um, was because of a specific um, comments um, that God, uh, that Moshe talks about um, in chapter 8. Um, of Parshat Ekev in, in Dvarim. Um, and the, I will be reading the English English translation. Oh, okay, there you go. Um, so it's talking about the land that they're going to go into. It'll be flowing with milk and honey. There'll be wheat, barley, grape, figs, pomegranates, all this stuff. Best. Um, and you will eat and you will be satisfied. That's where we get the rule to um, bench after, to save grace after meals. Um, and then um, in Pasuk 11, um, Verse 11. Take care, lest you forget Hashem, your Lord, by not observing his commandments, his ordinances, and his decrees, which I command you today, lest you eat and be satisfied, and you build good houses and settle, and your cattle and sheep and goats increase, and you increase silver and gold for yourselves, and everything that you will increase, everything that you have will increase, and your heart will become haughty, and you will forget Hashem, your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery. Keep going. Yeah, so then then that was through 14, and then go to 17. And you may say in your heart, my strength and the might of my hand made me all this wealth. So specifically, I wanted, You're welcome. I wanted, I wanted to talk to you about this um, because... I think a lot of what you're working on is this, is um, maybe you can even explain what I'm talking about if you know what I'm talking about. But I think a lot of what you work on is like people abusing power. Okay, but now that I translated this into English, who's going to translate the English that I just read into real English? (laughs) Okay. Because I actually didn't pay attention to anything I just read. (laughs) I was too focused on saying less. <laughs> so, so just to translate very quickly um, to explain, um, they after you go into the land, you become prosperous, you make lots of money, um, you're doing really well, everything's great. You'll forget God, and then you'll say, um, "My strength and the might of my hands made me all this wealth. I did this for myself." In Hebrew, "Vamarta bilvavecha," you'll say in your heart. Kochi ve otsem yadi, my heart, my my strength, um, and the strength of my hand, asali etachayelaze, um, made for me this, um, and I think on some level, like a lot of the stuff you're working on, and I would like you to talk about this for for a couple for a little bit, um, is about people becoming wealthy, becoming powerful, being in positions um, where they can do stuff, and then saying like, this is all me. Right, and I can do whatever I want. Right. Can you talk to talk to that for a little bit? I can I can speak to that, and I will also point out that uh, journalists also make a ton of money, um, 
and so this is also referring to me and remembering that I must remain humble um, even though my uh, sheep and goats have increased since uh, starting on this professional journey. Um, that was a joke <laughs> for anyone who didn't pick, up, pick that up. <laughs> um, but I think that what Sam's really getting at, um, besides my cattle, um, is that a lot of times people um, who get into positions of power forget um, that there are vulnerable, vulnerable people to whom they remain accountable and that when their actions cease to reflect the values that they claim that role of power reflects, there needs to be a reckoning with that discrepancy. Um, so I would say that that does not just have to do with those who are wealthy. There are different types of wealth. There are those mm -hmm. who have a tremendous amount of prestige, um, whether it be in an academic setting, a religious setting, um, or other settings where they are respected and seen as wealthy um, just by virtue of their knowledge or expertise on a certain subject. There is also individuals who are wealthy in terms of influence. And by this I'm referring to teachers um, who though they may not be making billions, millions, thousands, whatever, <laughs> on Wall Street, they do have a tremendous amount of power um, because they're able to shape and influence the minds of those who are um, in, the classroom, in the classroom with them on a daily basis. And with that influence, um, with that power comes a tremendous amount of responsibility and the potential for doing good is accompanied by the equal potential to do harm. And unfortunately, um, it is all these type of powerful individuals, whether it be um, well-known academics um, or uh, rabbis who are beloved by their students and communities or a billionaire on Wall Street who have a tremendous amount of wealth um, in whatever definition of wealth um, you choose, you choose, um, and then must be held accountable to that power. And if they fall short of the responsibilities that come with having power, it becomes a public interest concern and it becomes a position where the vulnerable are at risk of, of having them abuse that power and privilege at their expense. Right, so what you would say that on some level, um, you would, uh, would you apply this to that? Meaning saying like, um, it's the cattle or the, the wealth there isn't necessarily always just money, but it's, um, it's when people become in positions where they have some level of control over others or level of control even over their own lives, um, that they then have both the power to do good and to do bad. And thank you for the 
Uncle Ben reference, the Spider-Man reference that you didn't even know you made. Yeah, I did. Um, oh, you did. Okay, fine. Um, but um, so these people um, then will say in their hearts, right, I did this for myself. And what the Torah is telling you to do, because in Pasuk 18, is you shall remember Hashem, your God, um, that it was who gave you the strength, right? If you, if all these people, conceivably, I would imagine, thought like, you know, I'm in this position of teaching um, because God gave me gifts to be able to teach well and I need to take that seriously. Or God gave me all this money so I should use it in a way that is helpful and not use it to, um, to do things to people that they shouldn't be done, right? Whether it's to their financials or to their bodies or whatever it may be, like had they thought, had they thought before they did any of those things, like, no, this money isn't really mine. Right, this power is only like was given to me on some level. Like, do you think that would have helped? Um, in some you, cases, okay. I mean, I think it varies, but yeah, I mean, I think when you see abusive personalities, when you explore those who have been harassed or assaulted or etc etc by those in position of power one thing that frequently is described is a tremendous amount of ego and that's not just um male ego though it is primarily um men who are um abusers Mm. though not exclusively um but it is it, it is um you know, there's a tremendous amount of, uh, sort of yeah, and, and sort of I I I created this. I can do whatever I want. So Nobody's going to say boo. Right. So if they thought, oh, God would say boo, right? If they thought God what, would say boo, well, yeah. some of them, um, I I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't know. So, <laughs> um, you know, some of them don't believe in God right, right. at all. Um, some so, of them believe that they are God. So maybe. maybe you would expand this idea, right? It's the important thing here, like they're, the Torah is using it in a religious context, but maybe I feel like you're expanding it past the religious context. Is saying like the important thing here is when somebody feels like I made myself all this wealth, it's important for them to remember that they are not, it's not only them that did it. And it's not only them that they should be responsible for. Well, and they yeah, need to be accountable, I mean, right? In the Torah sees you being accountable to God, you're seeing yourself being accountable to God, sure, but also being accountable to the community, being accountable to newspapers. Yeah, right? yeah. I right. mean, I think that... Um, it's. I mean, this is not a hard and fast rule, but if somebody is truly a humble person who, who truly realizes that the power that they have is a gift given to them and not something of their own creation, they are much less likely to abuse that power. I don't have any statistics to back that up, but um, if you think about the people who you listeners out there may know who are truly humble people, including myself, just kidding but <laughs> but you know if you think of someone who's who's really really a humble person um 
it's hard to imagine that person um, abusing power. I think that ego and a sense of power and control over others um, really leads to a potential abuse for power um, because there isn't that check and balance. Right, but uh, it's the problem with that, though, is that on some level, it's those that view themselves that should be powerful, the ones that become powerful, right? So the example we have here of Moshe is like the exception almost that proves the rule. Right, he's thrust into that powerful situation. But I feel like that's not usually what happens. Yeah, so powerful people out there, listen, you need to go pursue your power and, and do good, but you need to you need to also have some humble pie every now and again. What's the what's the um the two you know, the two sort of Cherry? No, 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 <laughs> no. I am gonna make Jerry pie this weekend. You're not invited. But, um, <laughs> there's, you know, you know, one, I think we, ha- we have a friend who has two statements on, on each of her arms. One is, um, the world was, was made for me. Right. And the other is, is I came from, I dust. came from dust and right. I shall return to dust. And in the, the balance, the Gemara says to have like one in each pocket. Ah, So that's yes. where she got that idea from. Yes, so you can have one in each pocket, um, but you know, sort of in balancing those two concepts comes a health, a healthy sense of self and a healthy sense of ego, which is incredibly important to being a leader. But the remembrance that you um, are mortal and not immune um, to to the accountability to, to accountability. Um, and, and to taking ownership of your action, the, the realization that, that you are human and not, not all powerful is, is essential to, to leadership as well. And I think that, you know, like with, like with most things, the, uh, the true leader is able to balance both and live somewhere in the middle of those two seemingly contradictory statements. Right, but for those that it would be dialectical, I might say. Right. <laughs> um, but, but shout I, out. I imagine a lot of the people that become uh, become powerful, right, do so because they weigh heavily on the the world was created for me side. I, I would just imagine that being true. Yeah, I mean, I can't really. I don't really know who you might be thinking about, given our very stable state of uh, current affairs, but. Um, I'm, I'm more talking about, really, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm really talking about, like, the type of people you've been writing about, right? Oh. I imagine I imagine they, um, like, had a very sensey health of ego, and therefore they felt like they were entitled to other people's bodies, other people's Okay, thoughts. well, here, this goes out to everyone here. We're all going to die. So I hope that that... <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Um... I hope that that, that re- remembrance can give a certain uh, amount of humility um, when you pursue your amazing leadership roles. Um, that, you know, we are from dust, we shall return to dust. And yes, while it's true that people who abuse their power um, may weigh heavily on the side of the world was made for me, um, and perhaps an unhealthy interpretation of what that means, um, that doesn't mean that you out there as potential leaders can't 
live live the balance and and live in the in-between so what would you say just to end this conversation what would you or to further this conversation what would you say for people like that are not in that position right to kind of how would we be able how are people lay leaders or lay people able to like make sure that the leaders learn this lesson of like that you shall remember Hashem your God but remember that you should be accountable because you didn't do this all by yourself right well first things first um, according to the text you're going to have to get yourself some cattle and sheep and goats (laughs) Um, so that comes first after that um, I would recommend um, finding them a pasture so that they are grass fed Um, I'm sorry what was your question Sam (laughs) (laughs) but like like this is your your what you were talking to fully were were like how leaders should feel because that is what the text is talking about right how uh, leaders should feel but I want or like how how people in power should feel but I'm curious like how should lay people feel like how should they help make sure that their leaders um, remember Hashem your God but remember that they need to be accountable oh that's an easy one yeah support. Journalism. <laughs> Support local journalism. We are the people who will make sure that your leaders are accountable to their power. I, that wasn't a setup. Sam offered that to me. But that would be my answer. So, um, so like, meaning like, meaning like, and sometimes that, I imagine that I makes, feel like we should end there. We can't get better. Sometimes that makes people vulnerable to do that, right? But like, what? to trust a journalist like you, right? Um. Yeah, but it's also vulnerable for our democratic society not to have someone who's going to hold leaders accountable to their power and abuse thereof right okay mic drop actually i'm not going to drop this mic because it's quite expensive and sam has to use it for the rest of his podcast (laughs) it's been wonderful speaking to y'all um so um so awesome thank you so much hannah um so i'd like to talk about another part of the parsha um for a couple so now minutes. do i go back to no I, we're gonna talk oh, about it Same more, t- more talking more talking you guys are so lucky more, <laughs> more of hannah at ten thirty at night after a very long day and little sleep it's a privilege to be here with all of you um I, sam's so, really laughing we should get a laughing track for this podcast so the so it, at the end of this week's parsha um is the second paragraph of shema i spoke about the first paragraph of shema last week so i thought it would make sense to talk about the second one that seems rational so, uh, that seems to make sense um so there's a major change if you just look at shema there's like a major change between the first and second paragraphs it's like a totally different thing um and the thing that is most obviously very different um is the um, oh my gosh, how do you say it? Um, plural versus singular? How do you say that? Is there a way to say that? English major? No. What? Um, the, 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 uh, the, I don't know. No? Okay, so in the first par- par- paragraph of Shema, it's like completely singular. What's the word for that, guys? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, so it's completely singular. Am I just singular. talking to the void? <laughs> it's completely singular, meaning like, and you shall love your Hashem, your God, right? It's you in the singular, right? It's, it's you... Um, you should say, learn when you go to sleep and when you wake up. It's you, 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 singular. But in the second paragraph, it's, it's I, the problem is in the English language, so they actually do it. Um, English singular, old English is thy, right? It's all thy. thy. It's all thy, um, like you in the singular form. And it's in the second paragraph, Shema, it's all plural. It's all you. And 
to serve him with all your heart, right? It even says it again with all your heart and all your soul, but in the plural in the second paragraph in 1118. Um, and um, and um, in the first in the first paragraph, um, it's all about um, when I command you in the singular. And here in the second paragraph, it's all command you in the plural. And I always thought that was really interesting because the first paragraph is all about thought, like it's about loving God and doing it with all your heart, soul, or whatever, however we translated it last week. Um, but the second paragraph is all about reward and punishment. And I, I just think that's really interesting that reward and punishment comes in a plural. I wouldn't have thought that to be true um, because like on some level, so much of Judaism is about is incumbent on, it's incumbent on the community, but it's on, also incumbent on the individual. So like, why is it up to the community to keep the commandments in order to get rain? Like, why isn't it upon each individual to make sure they get um, and to get rain or whatever it may be? Any thoughts on that? Or... No. no. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Meaning like, especially nowadays, Sorry. it's like reward and punishment, I feel like it's such a, like, a, uh, like an individualized thing. Um, and the Torah really sees it in the second paragraph of Shema as a communal thing. Um, and um, no, so I was trying to think about like what that means. We make it rain. Right. But as a community, not as singulars. Uh, that was a joke. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I second what you just said. Right. So um, I, I saw a really interesting idea um, by Dr. Heinemann in Bir Le Tamud. Um, he's a professor um, that kind of like went into texts and especially on Torah and to try and understand what's going on. So he has a he has a comment on this. I'd, I'd love to hear what your thoughts on, are on this comment. Note that there is a division in the heart of him who loves God. There is no division. Sorry, there is no division in the heart of him who loves God. And though there be many scores of thousands of people. Um, involved, they are all accounted as one person, since perfect love is one and indivisible. But if the service is not perfect and they serve him only as fear, the fear of one person cannot be equated to the fear of other. So the way he explains it essentially is that loving God, having positive emotions, when multiple people have positive emotions together, it's very easy for them to come together. It's very easy for them to come together and just say, we love this together. When you have negative emotions, everyone has like negative emotions for like different reasons. And negative emotions are divisive, even if you're negative at the same thing. So like if different people hate, um, you know, um, even if it's like a, are fearful of something, are fearful of not having enough money, let's say, one person might be fearful of not having enough money because um, they won't have enough food on the table. Another person might just not feel secure um, in not having enough money. Another person might feel something else. It's very, when people are scared of something, they're scared separately, right? Everyone's scared kind of separately, even if they're scared of the same thing. Um, but when people love something and a positive emotion towards something, they do it together as one. Um, and so Dr. Heinemann is trying to explain um, that that's why the first paragraph of Shema about loving God is, is in the singular, but fearing like reward and punishment, like fear of something bad happening is in the plural because everyone kind of does that separately. It's not one unit um, that does it together. That's, uh, that, I mean, that, that's, an, that's an interesting thought. While you were describing that, I was thinking about the way that social media functions. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's very easy to sort of group think on social media um, to either to respond, to react with loving something. Uh, people, you know, like sharing things that are funny, like cat videos and or dog videos. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, that fear, fear is isolating. People, when they are fearful, tend to think very much about their own singular interests and personal interests and not about the claw or the whole. Um, I, I think, though, that, that that anger is similar to... I mean, anger is not brought up in the two paragraphs of the Shema, but I think that anger is on social media similar to love in that uh, it's it's easy to oh. sort of indiscriminately... I was actually going to say the opposite. It's interesting. Because I think on some level on social media... Wait, when, I have to finish with that. What, oh, yeah, go ahead. It's, it, it's easy to indiscriminately just hate on something or someone or some concept or some action... Similar, similarly to how easy it is to just, at least on Facebook or on social media, to love and throw throw yourself behind something, at least in a, you know, virtual way. Right, so it's interesting, because I was actually going to think the opposite way. When people love things on social media, they all just like, I love this. This is awesome. Right, but when people hate things... Everyone hates it for a different reason. Everyone has, like, their hot take on what, what's wrong. You know what I mean? And, like, on some level, it becomes divisive even within the hate of something, even within the anger. Like, everyone kind of throws different bad things at somebody. Um, and I was actually thinking on some level, that's, that's what he's talking about almost, is, is somebody does something wrong and, everyone, and people don't like it. Everyone just goes at them, but, like, divisively, separately. Uh, okay, but what does that have to do with God? Both paragraphs are relating so, to God. So I think on some level what he's saying is it's the same thing for God. When we love God, we love him. We, we can come together to love him. But when we're fearful, mm -hmm. like that's how love is so powerful. Um, and liking something is together is so powerful. But fearing something is not as powerful together because we're all going to fear them, fear it for different reasons. We're all going to have different relationships to that fear. But we're not all going to have different relationships to that love. We're all going to have like kind of a similar um, kind of feeling, and that's why he argues like that's why it starts out with love. It starts out with love because that's the much more powerful. The positive emotion is much more powerful because it brings us together. The fear emotion is also important, but it's 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 divisive even in even its in its adherence. So you know that's a beautiful thought to end on, and I think that. Um... I should summarize everything that's gone on in about in, in three quick bullet points for you listeners in case you've zoned out at any point during this podcast, which I hope you haven't because we are scintillating speakers. But if you have zoned out, I would say the takeaways are this. Number one, love conquers all. Number two, support journalism. <laughs> and number three, Go get yourself some cattle, sheep, and goats. <laughs> thank you, and good night. Okay, um, so thank you, Hannah, so much on that note. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was an interesting conversation. Vote CKI. And um, yeah, and come visit both of us at, at Cole Israel. 
um, in Brooklyn. We're more fun in person. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> um, but also check out Hannah's work in the Jewish Week. Um, and recently Mother Jones as well. Um, and um, check out her podcast called Chutzpah, the Chutzpah Podcast. Um, where she, where she we went. have competing podcasts. It's, they're not competing. You can just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's not competing. Who said competing? Not me. <laughs> but uh, where I'm, she? I'm winning. She interviews. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, people. I support this podcast. That's why I'm on it. <laughs> she interviews people that are making change in the Jewish community. Um, so that's really cool. Um, and um, so pay attention for that podcast, but as well um, for more uh, episodes of In the Pacha uh, coming next week. Bye.